there are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Often raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. It is the Incredible Hulk Podcast. My name is Eric Hulkrin, and we are at the Better Business Bureau. Uh, I am with John Masterson. You are Director of Marketing of the Better Business Bureau of West Michigan. And um, for some context, we kind of started a conversation on Twitter once uh, Mark Zuckerberg was in front of Congress, and that, that is kind of what led us to this. So we're talking, or at least going to start talking about privacy. And so for the the couple people who may not necessarily know that everyone knows of the Better Business Bureau, but you guys, I mean, I'm sitting in this amazing, you know, very high tech looking office space. Mm-hmm. You, you guys are doing an accredited event tomorrow that's got a keynote space in, in this mm-hmm. place. There's a kitchen. There's like all the things that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about like what present day Better Business Bureau does on a day to day Absolutely. So Better Business Bureau has been around for over 100 years. And now today we are working with consumers, businesses, charities and donors. Uh, We really try and help businesses be better, to be more transparent, more trustworthy, to then, you know, make the, the interaction with consumers better and more fluid. Uh, We also work with consumers to help them find those trustworthy businesses and on the flip side, avoid scams and avoid, you know, uh, less than trustworthy businesses. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And with charities and donors, same sort of deal. We want to make sure charities are abiding by and being transparent and using the money that they um, in the ways that they say they are and then helping donors find those those trustworthy charities and so like for you on a day-to-day basis like what is what is your role here as the director of marketing are you out are you consumer facing business facing all facing you know what what are you doing here on a day-to-day as far as a marketing person goes i have the biggest audience i target anybody and everybody to listen um but it really keeps things interesting because i am able to work with all these different groups um, as far as marketing goes and consumer facing, um, I do a lot of you know podcasts, but also news media stuff. Um, that's really been a great way to just kind of uh, get the word out and do it in a rele- relevant and timely way. Uh, you know, when certain stories pop up, sure. we're able to provide uh, an expert opinion or a new point of view, um, or provide you know a connection to a local business that has that insider insight that can then you know shed light for consumers and businesses across our our state. Awesome. And so let's, um, let's go back a couple of weeks to April 12th. Mark Zuckerberg is drinking water and making Congress look silly. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I started this conversation about kind of the, the underbelly of the Internet, if you will, of that, that people aren't really paying attention to. They're just logging in. I mean, I think you guys posted today on Twitter um, this, I won't say clickbaity, but you see a lot of these like, it's down 3%. The world is on fire, but it's not. I mean, it's 3% out of 7 billion people, right? So... 3% of Facebook users being down is really not all that noteworthy. And I think mm-hmm. given what you were told three weeks ago, given what you were told three weeks prior to that, given what you were told in November when it started, 3% seems profoundly insane to me that people don't, aren't changing their patterns at all. 
What we found is, yeah, this was kind of a scandal and did pick up steam, as as many scandals do on social media, just uh, spread like wildfire. But what we're finding is, you know, consumers and, and even me personally, it's it's really hard to live without, you know, the Facebooks and the Twitters and, and the Instagrams of the world. And so a lot of people are finding that, hey, the, this is bad that they use my information this way, but... What's the alternative? I'm, I'm not going to necessarily delete my Facebook page. Well, and what's, what's interesting is the nuance in that, right? Because what you just said is what you hear from a, a mass, right? Like you hear TV and, and you know, website blogs going, they used my information, R, right? But like that's, that's not really a nuanced conversation about what they did, right? So for, if you're not kind of up to date on what Cambridge Analytica did, um, well, first of all, they didn't actually take your data. They bought it from somebody else, which is where the problem actually comes. Mm-hmm. Because all day, every day, this place I'm sitting in included, the place that I work in, all day, every day, we are taking pieces of data that you are leaving behind and turning them into marketing campaigns. Absolutely. All day, every day. Absolutely. Where this gets a little weird is that we don't, and I'm talking as a collective, we don't take that data and then sell it to somebody else for them to do whatever they want. That is really the crux of the problem of this particular thing because there are and have, there have been in 2014, 13, and 10, really when they opened the, the ad platform, but mm-hmm. there have been advertisers taking your data since you started carrying around a computer in your pocket in 2007. That was kind of, yeah, uh, to your point, the big uh, eye-opener is kind of uh, exactly. People didn't understand that, you know, the time that they spent on Facebook is really just providing details and data to these other marketing companies. And the the Cambridge Analytica scam was a, an interesting take on it and how it can be used and, and, in this case, abused. But, yeah, everything and anything you do online, anything you share, click on, uh, like, follow, that is all big-time data that you know, people are making money off of and and using. And in some cases, you know, on on both sides of the coin, right, the consumer doesn't really understand what they're giving up, right? And and that was what you and I were talking about. It's like, we need to start having a conversation about, yes, you need, when you're using a product as large as Facebook or Twitter or Google or Amazon, well, to some extent, Amazon, because Amazon does the same thing, even though you have a money relationship with them. But the ones that you don't have a money relationship with, Instagram, Snapchat, they have to pay for it somehow, right? So there should be a pound of flesh that you need to donate to the cause in order for it to keep churning. But we haven't actually established a market, right? Like when you go to a nice restaurant and it says lobster is whatever market price is and they can just charge you whatever. Like that's where we are. We're all lobster at this point. Yep. Is that it's whatever market price is. We just, it's not the five ninety nine hamburger that's on the menu every We haven't determined a price yet. It's just whatever today is, is what you owe. Um, and for me, and I don't know your personal opinion, but for me, like that's where the conversation needs to start is that we owe something to use the platform. Either yes. you're paying a monthly subscription a la Spotify or Netflix or Hulu, or you're donating your data for the sake of marketers to use and do whatever they want with. Absolutely. So yeah, it's again, but an eye opener, you know, people haven't been always that transparent about it. And this has brought to light that, but yeah, it, it, there is no real uh, standard or, you know, baseline to go off of. This is really the wild west and we're kind of exploring it and being the guinea pigs for these companies. And from there, they use our data in any number of ways. And you're right, there's really not a price to, to put on it. And so it's kind of scary in a lot of aspects. It is. And, and what's, what's fascinating is like, and I wonder around here, like what you guys talk about in this regard about when the wild, wild west 
solidifies a little bit, right? When laws start to come in, because again, that becomes a little bit of a slippery slope too, because you don't want to squelch innovation for the sake of this presumed safety. Cause in a lot of cases it's a presumed safety, right? Right. It's not like you, and I think you and I did this like offline, but you know, you saw a lot of people, I'm going to quit Facebook and go to Instagram. Well, moron, you're in the same ecosystem, right? Like you haven't done anything other than move your data from one platform to the same platform. Absolutely. Right? You went from the kitchen to the living room in the same house, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think it's that misunderstanding that, that I'm going to, you know, rage against the seas and hope that they stop making waves that I'd be fascinated your point of view about like when you think that will calm down and, and we will get some sort of, I don't even think legislation is the right word because, again, I don't want to you know, stagger innovation. But something to say, here are the boundaries by which you can play ball, guys. That, that's really where it needs to go. I mean, legislation is really tough. I mean, online means you could be any number of places. It's tough to track you know, when you cross boundaries or anything like that. But there has to be some sort of guidelines or, or basic principles of transparency, of what can be collected, how, when it's shared. Uh, you see something very similar with uh, the GDPR and in the European Union. And so for people who don't know what, I, and I've been talking about that, but like, explain to them what that is. So it is the European Union kind of taking on these large tech companies to kind of uh, try and control how data is used for the European Union citizens and where it can be used, how often, and, and how it can be shared. And so they're really taking their first stab at kind of policing in, in a way uh, and controlling and ensuring, uh, protecting that their, their data is um, being used the right way. And for some context, guys, you know, the, the EU and, and I believe Ireland specifically was successful in suing Apple for back taxes for doing business over there and getting billions of dollars out of that. Court. So they're very good at legislating the tech world. The question then again becomes how much of that will squel squelch innovation on that side? Like they are much, and again, you and I have talked about this. They're much better over there about protecting consumer rights than we are. Right. Yep, and no offense to what you guys do. Yep. They're just much better at it. Now, there's a flip side to that, that, that it's not as open and free system to work around as a company, which, again, slows down some of the innovations that happen over there. But on the flip side to that, they've been complete jerks to the telecom industry, which makes all of them work together. So your cell phone works, your mobile device works much better over there because they had to create a grid that works together as opposed to against each other, which is what we have here, right? Mm -hmm. My network's better than your network, which is better than their network, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that has hurt the, the ability for your smartphone to be ubiquitous across the United States when it might be if you take it overseas and put a, a you know a global plan on it, right? Absolutely. So, you know, it, it does slow things down. And, and from a business side or a marketer side, absolutely. It, it is another hoop to jump through, another set of guidelines to follow. But it's really understanding that we're those platforms are serving consumers. And so they really should keep the consumer's best interest in mind. And consumers should be applauding the, the GDPR because it is looking out for them in ways that they can't and, and haven't been able to in the past. But it would be interesting to talk to consumers over there and see if even they understand it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because it feels like the, the countries and the, and the legislators are on their side. But I wonder if it's not... Two heads of the same coin, right? Just it, it's still a bunch of legalese. And well, and, and the example that I use when um, I, I was teaching this semester at Aquinas, the example mm -hmm. that I use of this is um, that case that never went to trial, but 
probably should have of the the woman at the Meyer store who took a photo of that guy and accused him of being a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Now, as for to rewind a little bit, so there's a woman inside a Meyer store. She's shopping with her five or six year old daughter. Um, he is coming out of the men's washroom. They were returning cans, I guess, and then going to go shop. And she thought that he, he was following them, took a photo, went to the service desk, showed them the photo of this guy. They start their, what they're supposed to do on their end. She then shares it on a private mother's Facebook group. Again, this is not understanding the gun that you're playing with. Shares it on that. And then mothers from that group then start populating it out and share it to the Rockford Services site that has 85,000 people on it. And then end, ends up getting shared close to 8,000 times a network size of 2 million, 3 million people see this gentleman labeled a pedophile with a seven paragraph explanation about how we don't do enough to protect our children. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you end up scratching your head going, huh? Yeah, that could happen to you. And could happen to anybody. I mean, you know, I was having a real conversation with my wife going, we have two small kids. I shop late at night at Meyer a lot because I've got to get milk or whatever. So I wouldn't have a cart because I just need to get one thing. And I'm a guy by myself in a Meyer store, right? And we could wake up on Wednesday morning and I could be accused of all sorts of things. With A, what scared me about this particular case is he only finds out because his wife is on that services group. Otherwise, it's being served to 3 million people and not him. Coworkers, clients, employees, yeah. you name it. And Whatever. who does he turn to when that happens? He, there's really no recourse. And because what is your... Again, what, when we're talking about business and trust, like, what are my rights as a consumer in, inside your building? I've shown up here of my own volition to talk to you. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are my rights in this building? Right? Yeah, absolutely. From a digital perspective, can you take all the photos you want and use them in marketing? Right? At, at this point, yes. yes unfortunately. Right. And you can use them any number of ways. And to your point, maliciously or, or inappropriately or just not knowing the, the full story. But yeah, it's really just there's it's the Wild West. There's no real rules. Again, the GDPR kind of helps with the, the right to be forgotten. If, you know, you were a pedophile 10 years ago and you've turned around your life, you know, if things are still popping up, maybe that is no longer relevant. You can get it removed. But to, in this example, yeah, it caught like wildfire and that's going to hurt this guy and, and anything he tries to do from now on. And so, yeah, there has to be some sort of rules, some sort of privacy regulation, um, self-policing, if you want to call it, and overall transparency. There needs to be a way to reach out to these different um, social media giants and have a conversation, figure out what can be done and and how these people can be helped because that guy is at the mercy of social media and and the masses. And And that can't be the only one, right? That's the one that you and I know, but that can't be the only person um, because one of the stories that came out of it as it sort of took fire uh, like regionally, not necessarily nationally, was that this is something that's happening all the time is people just taking photos of people going rapist, pedophile, murderer, right? Kidnapper. And, and not, you know, very few of them, you know, if, if you want to if you want to get political for half a second, if you go look at like the arrests made around the Patriot Act, very few of them had anything to do with terrorism. Right. Very mm-hmm. few of these photos of these people turn out to be anything true. Mm-hmm. Um Well, as far as fake news goes, I mean, there were a lot of instances around the election and and that's a whole different conversation. But, you know, uh, people see and and take things at face value, share it, and it it just snowballs and the algorithms play into that and and help disseminate this information. And so, you know, from from your organization's perspective, Mm -hmm. and that's that's a great segue, Mm -hmm. is 
because I still see people not actually reading the story mm-hmm. and seeing a headline. You know, um, I'm I'm big into MMA and the UFC, and I mm-hmm. right coming up here a second ago. Um, there's a photo of 50 Cent, the rapper, meeting with a guy from Bellator, right? And, and everybody immediately starts writing stories that he signed a five-fight deal. Mm-hmm. But these stories aren't connected to any legit sporting sites, right? So mm-hmm. the, the journalists who have vetted this thing have found this to be n- not a story yet. Absolutely. However, doesn't stop it from being a story in the Twitter sphere or Facebook or whatever. I, I don't see... Um, anecdotally, certainly not empirically because I haven't done any sort of study, but anecdotally, I don't see people going, well, that thing that happened in the election was sure crazy. Let's hope that doesn't, maybe I should read this paragraph. Nope. I just see a sentence sending sentence to all my friends. Right. And and absolutely. Some of the, the onus does lay on the social media giants to help police this, but some of it's fallen on the consumers taking uh, that extra second to actually read and be informed or, or choosing to follow or read, you know, legitimate sources, vetting who you're doing uh, business with and, and consuming news with uh, that in and of itself helps perpetuate lies and, and, and false news. how much and, of your job right now is that sort of thing? Is like educating both on the consumer side and the people who show up tomorrow, right? Because they've got to protect their own business from um, any number of things, bad Yelp reviews, fake Yelp reviews, th- those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Like how much of your job right now is kind of educating on that side? Absolutely. So we do help anybody that's been affected or got scammed, but we really want to get ahead of that and help people ahead of time to know what they're getting into, what all the rules are, what the implications are, so that they can make a well-informed choice, understand you know what's going on, and again, how data is being used, how information is being shared, and, and how to protect yourself. We really want to help consumers and businesses protect themselves so they avoid these things and, and they're well-informed. So that's really a huge mission. And again, we do help people after the fact, but we want to make sure everyone knows and is trustworthy and transparent. Transparency gives just so much insight into a business, into a platform. You you just need to know what you're doing. And and kind of up until now in that Cambridge Analytica scam, it it has been a little murky. It, It still is kind of a little murky, but they are taking some baby steps to become more transparent. And in that aspect, we applaud them in a, in a sense yeah i mean i think well the, yes although tentatively i would say and i said this on twitter mm-hmm. until you see amazon apple google facebook twitter snapchat uh hulu netflix uber lyft shipped target walmart all sitting at a table talking about consumer privacy rights like i don't I mean Yes, Facebook is forced to do a couple of things, and they've done some things that uh, on the mar- well, on, and, on, and on the marketing side makes it a little murky for a marketer. And, and by that, I mean we all now to in the Facebook ad platform have to adhere to GDPR rules, even if you don't advertise in the EU. Mm-hmm. We now have to abide by our data collection rules overseas. We also they got rid of something that was called the third party program, and what that was was. Um, data platforms that would grab your credit card data. So you go, we're right, we're a block away from Woodland Mall, right? You go to Woodland Mall, that anonymized data gets, um, was being used in Facebook targeting so that we could target people that shopped at the Apple store who also had kids in school, who also, you know, wasn't quite down to the level of named Ned, but close, right? All of that stuff is going away. Now, when we talk about baby steps and I sort of, 
I didn't really roll my eyes at you, but sort of, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, you know, my belief is that Facebook will just buy those companies, roll them into their own ad platform and say, well, they're no longer third party. They're first party. We're doing this. We're back in business, everybody. Hooray. Right. Absolutely. Because again, they're, you know, Google and Facebook are going to adhere to GDPR rules because they have to, and then everybody else has to abide by those rules. But that's the extent of what we're changing right now. Absolutely. It, to them, it's still a game. They're going to find the most efficient, most uh, profitable ways to, to get yeah, around well, these. and As every good business should. Exactly. Right? And so as more rules come out, they do uh, adapt. But uh, to your point, they haven't really addressed the underlying problem, which is this data is just all over the place. So they've given us a heads up and you know provided us an updated privacy policy. That's great. But it's still very much being used in the same way. It's just, again, another little hoop to jump through. Um, it's very tough and you're right. There are a million apps that are doing all these different things. Facebook has kind of been the, uh, the one that's taken the brunt and the, the public spotlight at this point. Well, and, and to his credit and his company's credit, they voluntarily showed up, mm-hmm. right? They were, you know, so if you don't necessarily understand how all that came to be, they weren't accused of anything. They weren't asked to come testify. They just said, Hey, this Cambridge thing is spiraling out of control. Let's go in front of Congress and answer some questions. To mm-hmm. people who don't know how electricity works, let alone the internet, because I think there was two or three questions that had anywhere near <laughs> yes. what we should be asking, which, mm-hmm. it, again, is one of the other things that comes out of this is that we're heading into a 2018 election and a 2020 election. And if you are in the tech space or you're a business that uses technology and you watched eight minutes or as I did, 10 hours of the testimony, you should think long and hard about who you currently have in Washington and maybe think about making a change to somebody who understands because you cannot be protected from this stuff by somebody who doesn't understand this stuff. Absolutely. And 80% of those guys and gals did not understand that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. We need someone that is very understanding and and knowledgeable about this stuff to then protect us and, and stand up for our rights. And to your point, yeah, that people were not even understanding the business model of, of Facebook. Yes. And, and that's the, the underlying issue is they are there to be a social platform, but they are there to, to more importantly make money. And, and, and as, a, you know, as an organization that, that lobbies on behalf of consumers, mm-hmm. when you see something like, um, and, and when I go speak, one of the slides I put up are the 22 retail locations that are either out of business or closed a quarter of their physical stores, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at Toys R Us and Toys R Us disappears, now... It's a long, nuanced, boring story as to how we got here that includes Bain Capital and, right, like, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But before we even get to Bain Capital, they make a critical error, which is they partner with Amazon to sell toys online and they get out of the partnership, which leaves all those people buying toys online from Amazon. Mm-hmm. My point in bringing that up is why this is important when you're thinking about elections is as more physical stores disappear... You guys just posted uh, you know, an op-ed piece in the New York Times about if Barnes & Noble doesn't get their shit together, mm-hmm. that the book industry is going to be on its hind legs because Amazon is going to take it all. Mm-hmm. And the ability to self-publish and some of the obscure titles that you're able to buy on Amazon are certainly a benefit, but you want competition in that space. Otherwise, it's going to be problematic. That's the point of the op-ed. But if you're not putting people in power who understand what an all digital retail space looks like. Mm -hmm. 
what your rights are, what you're, you know, what you're on the hook for if somebody steals your identity, what you're on the hook for if your credit card gets used maliciously by a, a site that's called Harns and Noble and you just don't notice it and you end up sending your money to Russia or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes more and more important that you understand that space as everything moves to that space. That, that is the future. It, it will snowball. It's the present, and, buddy. <laughs> it is the present, and it will continue into the future and, and to your point, just grow. It is expanding all the way across the board, uh, even to, to Bitcoin, mm-hmm. turning our, our classic currency into more uh, online cryptocurrency. It, everything is moving and, and going that way, and, and we need people that are on the forefront that understand both the current uh, state of things, but also where things are going and, and how that affects all the consumers. I mean, these are businesses, but the, the public and, and consumers are the, the people that are most affected by this. And so we need someone that will protect us and, and kind of do those things for us. And so the Better Business Bureau, again, tries to get out uh, ahead of these things and, and provide knowledge so you avoid these. But uh, yeah, we need somebody... Uh, a little higher up than the Better Business Bureau to, to police and, and protect us. So. You guys are doing a fine job. But what you, do, you said cryptocurrency. Do you guys answer a lot of questions about that? Are people asking you about cryptocurrency? And if Absolutely. so, like, you know, what have you been asked and kind of what's your point of view on that? We just had a, a scam that was a website offering 300% return on, on Bitcoin investments. 300% return in three hours. Clearly. Yeah, and so really awesome, and I definitely would invest, but no. And so people just, again, don't understand the rules, don't understand the game, don't understand what all uh, the implications are. But for some context, there really aren't rules, right? This is a decentralized bank with a fake currency that's made up of weird Tetris bits and bytes that you put together if you're a miner. Those miners transfer it to the Bitcoin universe. Then you buy Mm -hmm. portions of said Bitcoin. And hopefully your app that you have downloaded can get it fast enough so you get the actual amount that it's worth. Otherwise, you get what it plummets to. Yeah, it's the Wild West. It is really just, yeah, there's no good way to put it. This is, you know, the forefront of technology, the forefront of the future. It's it's continuing to grow, but it's, from a consumer standpoint, it's always knowing what you're getting into, understanding and doing uh, full research before you share, before you invest in Bitcoin, before you do anything. It, you need to know, and it's not always easy to know. It's not always convenient to know, but... People need to know. Transparency is key. Would you guys recommend it? And I'm not putting you on the spot, but like mm-hmm. speaking of Bitcoin, because it is such a complex space, mm-hmm. you know, a space I've been watching and it's just not, I don't understand enough of it to even get involved just mm-hmm. because I just, I don't, I've got a lot of friends who are in it and think seemingly are making money. Right. right. Um, but for an organization like you guys, what, would your recommendation to the everyday consumer be like, wait till this becomes more of a mass product and more widely accepted and less of a niche? Yeah. Crazy. You know, like Mm -hmm. there are people that are using Bitcoin and accept Bitcoin. You know, there are certain McDonald's that do that and Starbucks and whatever, but it's not something that has reached what we, when we talk about the innovation curve, right? Mm -hmm. It hasn't reached its mass. Yeah, I, I can't pay for gas or, or groceries or in everything, Bitcoin right? Or, like that's or, like yeah. think mm-hmm. of what your credit card should be able to do. I would imagine that would be your point of view. Like, wait for it to be that ubiquitous. Yeah, wait uh, un- again. Understand, but you know, understand the risk. It, there are plenty of things you could go skydiving and, and something bad could happen, but you go into that knowing full well that you know maybe the parachute that you doesn't are, open. That you are leaping out of a plane exactly. And so hurtling towards we, the earth. We can't stop you from investing in Bitcoin, but 
hey, understand these risks. Understand that like if something happens, there's not much recourse. And that's the whole point of the system is to be decentralized and, and not regulated. And from there, you have no protections. And so think good, long, and hard before you start throwing you know money that you've earned and can be used in the real world at these types of uh, scams and employees in a sense. Do you think this will normalize though that cryptocurrency will be a thing that we use? It It is something that is very interesting. I don't personally think the cryptocurrency will become ubiquitous, used everywhere. I think more of the blockchain technology sure. of uh, uh, Ledger and, and yeah, being able to double check all these transactions that will be used in, in different ways, but it is really hard to remove solid, uh, trusted currency and, and a whole banking system right. for the whole world all at once. So it's really interesting, really edge, you know, edge of the, the knife and, and groundbreaking, but to become the, the standard and how you pay for things. I just don't see it happening. Anytime. Yeah, well, and, you, and to, to blockchain, you know, you're seeing the auto manufacturers starting to adopt it to use it for inventory their technology and, and inventory and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, blockchain is clearly the safer bet here, friends. So, if you want to invest in something, invest in blockchain companies because mm-hmm. absolutely that technology is great and and does have transparency. It's awesome to be able to to double check all these transactions across you know all these different ledgers, but. Bitcoin in and of itself is, yeah, newfangled. It's really something that has uh, is akin to kind of the the tulip bulb <laughs> uh, scam uh, way back in the 1900s, where just the the press got a hold of it and and blew it up and and told the story. But from there, it gained steam and and everybody thought they could do it. And yeah, <laughs> certain people like Warren Buffett, uh, you know, has well, he hates it, right? Like, make no bones about it, he hates it, hates it, and and. You know, it, he may be a little older and doesn't get the technology, but he understands the risk and, and understanding that this may not be a very sound investment that provides much value. I mean, a lot of people that I know have bought Bitcoin and, and again, can't really spend it anywhere. So they're just holding on to it and hoping it increases in value and they're going to turn a profit. Well, and, and depending on when they bought it, it's already halved in value and gone back up, right? Like. Yeah. And it's volatile. I yes, mean, it could have been $10. Volatile, yeah. It could be $10,000. It could go anywhere. Warren Buffett could say something. It'll drop another 5%, whatever. But it, it is just the Wild West all the way across the board. It's very unique, very interesting, and, and something I find interesting. But as far as a, a value and, and usefulness, I, I don't see much use for it. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't see that changing in the future. Um, you know, companies like Zelle and Venmo, I, I see more of those where you can, you know, shoot numbers between sure. each other and have some sort of regulation or, or banking system to back it. But as far as strangers on the Internet, you know, trading these cryptocurrencies and bits of code, it's just it's too wild. I don't see it becoming very standard. <laughs> John Masterson has joined us, the uh, director of marketing at the Better Business Bureau. If people want to uh, ask questions, reach out to you, get in your ecosystem, how, how can they do that? Absolutely. Find us online at BBB.org. Uh, you can file a complaint. You can research and review businesses, uh, research and review scams, uh, any number of things. We're always here to help and um, provide trust and transparency. Real quickly before I let you go, because so you, you brought that up, when... What sort of things should people file complaints about? Because I feel like you get some stuff that really isn't in your purview, right? Like your French fries weren't the right temperature, those sorts of things. Like what what are you guys actually looking for? Absolutely. So there is uh, – we 
complaints kind of revolve around marketplace transactions. So you buy a table, the next day all the legs fall off, the the person that sold it to you won't talk to you, won't give sure. you a refund. File a complaint, we'll definitely be kind of that third party mediator to kind of work with you and them to become or come to a, a solution. And so, yeah, any kind of instance where money has changed hands, we are there to help when things go wrong. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for the time. All right. Absolutely.